Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. This month we have a series of messages on the virgin birth. The virgin birth. An essential doctrine of the Christian church. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter number 4. The attack from the modern church or from textual critics or from pagans or from just fill in the blank has been on the rise and on the move for a long, long time. This is an essential doctrine that all Christians would say that they believe. Let's look what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 4. Well, we'll begin reading at verse number 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days He did eat nothing. And when they were ended, He afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone, and it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, now watch this, but by every word of God. How should we as Christians live? By every word of God. Will the temptations go away? They won't. Temptation will always be there. And you know what the temptation will always be there for people to do? To change God's Word. So whether intentionally or unintentionally, whether on purpose or not on purpose, we end up with so-called Bible versions that attack the deity of Christ and that attack the virgin birth of Christ. We're going to look at some of those this morning. How do we live? By every word of God. Well, man says this, but what does God's Word say? Here's the temptation. We read a passage of Scripture, and because we don't understand it, we say in our minds, ooh, a better word would be a better rendering would be, a better... We're never told that we need to understand everything. The virgin birth, I can't. I don't understand that, do you? But God does. So I read it, and I believe it. If people would just read God's Word and believe it, it would solve a lot of the problems that we have. This is a key verse. Every believer can agree this is where we receive our instruction. Right? You can't live by what I say. I can't live by what you say. I'm not going to live by what a priest says or a pope says or a minister says. But I'm going to, with God helping me, live by every word of God. All right. 
Shouldn't every Christian believe that? Okay. The NIV, the ESV, the Amplified Bible, even the New King James Version of the Bible, they all attack that verse right there that I just read you. They all do it in the text except the New King James. They do it in the footnote. In the footnote it says, and you omits, but by every word of God. So how am I going to know from God and from His Word that I'm supposed to live by it if one of the verses in the Bible about that is attacked? Now, there's real strong attacks where it's removed and there's subtle attacks where something is taken out and it's noted. It's in the text, but it's noted in the footnote. It has been disappeared. Now, NU omits... We'll teach you some stuff. You don't have to pay $5,000 a year for seminary school. It's an acronym. N stands for the 26th edition of Nestle Allen's Greek New Testament. So it's abbreviated N. Just remember Nestle Allen. U is the third edition of the United Bible Society's New uh, Greek New Testament. And it's noted U. N for Nestle. U for United. So you have NU. Now, these manuscripts are Alexandrian or Egyptian manuscripts that come from two corrupt sources, Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. And both of those manuscripts are so reliable that they disagree with each other in hundreds of places. So that's a lot of stuff. Just know there are different manuscripts that are used in footnotes to attack what God says. Two different lines of manuscripts. That's not our point of our message. You need to know or just at least understand when you see a footnote in a Bible that's not the King James Bible and you see NU, you know what it means. Now that's exactly what the New King James Version of the Bible does and they get out they cast doubt upon, but by every word of God. Okay, now let's get into Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter 3. I want you to watch here and watch what the Holy Spirit does where He completely protects the doctrine of the virgin birth because it's going to be very, very specific. Luke chapter 2, verse number 33. The Bible says, and he shall reign, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Let me see, let me see. Where am I? I'm in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 2. That's where I need to be. Verse number 33. And Joseph, watch this, and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. What does the Bible say? Joseph and his mother. Now here's the attack. The NIV and the ESV both say the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. But guess what? God is the child's father. 
not Joseph. You say it's not a big deal. Well, then why in your doctrinal statement do churches have they believe in the virgin birth of Christ, yet they use a Bible that completely attacks that doctrine? It's subtly wrong (laughs) to be nice about it. God is the child's father. Should not be. It's the King James translators got it completely right. It's Joseph and his mother. Go over to Luke chapter three, verse number twenty-three. Luke chapter three, verse number twenty-three. The Bible says, "And Jesus Himself began to be about thirty years of age, being." as was supposed, the son of Joseph. The King James Bible tells us right there, in a kind of a unique way, that you can't use modern versions. (laughs) Because anybody that supposes is just wrong. We know what everybody supposed him to be? The son of Joseph. But he wasn't. He was what? The Son of God. You know what the modern versions suppose Him to be? The Son of Joseph. But He's not. He's the Son of God. (laughs) That verse right there should tell you there is no way you can use an NIV. Because anybody that supposes that Christ to be the Son of Joseph is just Wrong. He is not the son of Joseph. He is the son of God. All right, everybody got that? If you got it, say amen. Amen. Okay, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 7. This is probably the strongest prophetic verse on the virgin birth. Would you agree? A very, very strong verse. God gives the world a sign. A one-time historical miracle happens from God. And let's see what it's going to be. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin is going to give birth to God Almighty. You know what we have prophetically in Isaiah 7? A virgin birth. I'm sure there's been plenty of young maidens throughout history that have tried to convince their parents it's a miracle. (laughs) But they weren't successful in convincing anybody. But one time in history, it happened. A virgin conceived. Why do I point that out? You say, that's so simple. That's so easy. It is. If people would read the Bible and believe it, 
And when people, when Christian people or Christian churches have doctrinal statements that say, we believe in the virgin birth, yet they use Bibles that attack the virgin birth, I've got a problem with that. The RSV says, Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son. Well, what's the big deal about that? Answer, it isn't a big deal. <laughs> young women bear children all the time, every day, every week, every hour. It's not a big deal. But if it happens to a virgin, guess what we've got? A miraculous, instantaneous sign miracle from God. And that's what we're talking about. Preserving the doctrine of the virgin birth is very important. I don't want it attacked. You know what the NIV says? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. But you know what it does in the footnote? It destroys it. NU. Remember what NU is? Those corrupt manuscripts from Egypt that we talked about? Well, it says in the footnote, in the Hebrew, this is plural. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means other women were present. Okay? And because of that, it means young women collectively. And so the verse is best explained. Isaiah now is pointing out to a specific woman among many who are present. Some will claim the Hebrew word used is just the feminine form of the corresponding masculine form, which would be young man. And that it pertains just to age, not to whether or not they've known a man. Do you see why a lot of people are so Bible ignorant? They don't have the right Bible. They have a Bible that completely attacks the virgin birth. And if it's not in the text, they find a way to subtly attack it in the footnote. I've got the right book. I want you to have the right book. I want folks to come in and not have the right book because the preacher does and because you do, but because they know why. They can explain it to someone else. They can hold under their arm a King James Bible and know why they use a King James Bible. The RSV destroys the doctrine of the virgin birth in the text. The NIV destroys the doctrine of the virgin birth in the footnote. What's the difference? There is not a difference. Both are attacking. I'm going to stick with the book. Amen. Now, one last thing on Isaiah chapter 7. Roman Catholics, I know this because it's an ex-Roman Catholic. In the NIV, it says, the virgin, instead of a virgin. Now, you, they'll use that definite article, the, to point to Mary. 
Because Mary is worshipped and adored in Roman Catholicism. She just wasn't a virgin. That was the virgin. That was the mother of God. And so they'll take that verse and use it. These Bibles are marked, these modern versions, as easier to read. <laughs> it should read uh, a little more subtle to deceive. Struggle with the these and the thous, <laughs> but keep your King James Bible. Keep it. All right, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter number 1. This is the cross-reference to Isaiah. And in Matthew chapter 1, let's read a few verses here. It's very important that we keep the virgin birth. So let's continue on with our study. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. That prophet's Isaiah. Saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Which, by the way, that is your direct cross-reference. That's why we need to have the word virgin in there and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Watch this. And knew her not till she had brought forth her son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I read that verse wrong. <laughs> I read that verse wrong on purpose. I hope you caught the mistake because this is exactly what all modern versions do. Yes, even the new and improved and shiny glossing new King James Version of the Bible. What did I remove? Firstborn. To suggest that Mary didn't have other children. But you see how subtle these things come in? Every modern church, I'm telling you, I've looked at their websites. You know, the ones with, they don't have, it's a stage with lights and no, we have lights, right? Not wrong with lights. And they have smoke. I mean, they have drum sets and they have the big to-do, right? Every single one of those modern church websites and every single one of those preachers will tell you to your face and will put in print on their website, on their doctrinal statement, that they believe doctrinally in the virgin birth. Wholeheartedly. Why am I the bad man when I say, well, how come you use a Bible that attacks it? 
I'm not a bad man. People who correct the Bible are. <laughs> and you're not a bad person if you point these things out very lovingly and very casually in an open conversation with a brother or sister in Christ. You don't have to fight about this every day, every week, every month. But these are things that are important for us to know. And you. In the footnote in the New King James. And you. A son. Meaning, Nestle Allens and United Bible Societies, Greek New Testaments, all just say a son. Meaning, that's where they get remove firstborn. Just remove it. You don't need it. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse number 27. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. When he was born, he was a holy child. Whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. The New King James, the ESV, the ASV, you know what they all say? Holy Servant. They don't want any reference to Jesus being God being His Father. Holy child's removed and put Holy Servant. He's the child of God. God is His Father. They don't want a reference to that. It's an attack on the deity of Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse number 25. Now look at this. You're going a little overboard, Brother Jimmy, aren't you? I mean, good night. Okay. Then back up a verse. Back up. Verse number 25. Look at this. Look at this. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? and the people imagine vain things. They got it right in verse number 25. Well, who got it right? The modern versions got it right in verse 25 with, look at it again, with servant. Meaning, they know what the word servant looks like in the Greek. They know this. <laughs> if we played the guessing game, who would want to guess what the word child means in Greek? <laughs> child. <laughs> okay, child. <laughs> They're two different words. Translators know this. They're different in English and they're different in Greek. And you could not confuse the two if you tried. Unless you want to attack the essential doctrines of the faith, which is the virgin birth and deity of Christ. You couldn't confuse the two. They get it right in one verse, they don't get it, they're not being consistent. Acts chapter number three. Let's go back one chapter. Okay, look at this. Acts chapter 3. Unto you first, God, verse number 26, having raised up 
Jesus. Send him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Wrong again. I read it like the modern versions read it. <laughs> Do you see how subtle these things are? I mean, you really got to look at it. You got to think about it. You got to have to chew on it because it doesn't say that. The Bible says, having raised up his son, Jesus. Every single English translation reads before 1881, every single one reads son. Every one. That means Wycliffe's 1380 edition reads son. Tyndale in 1534 reads son. The Geneva Bible in 1557 reads son. The King James in 1611 reads son. And every other one that I'm not mentioning reads son. But after 1881, when the Revived Version came out, guess what? They started to change it. Every single English translation after 1881 starts attacking the deity of Christ. Take out son, retranslate to servant. Why don't church people know this? Well, because they're not taught. They're not taught. And maybe they're not taught because they don't care. We should care. We should care. Don't tell me in three weeks every, every one of these Christian churches is going to start preaching about the virgin birth of Christ as they read out of a NIV or an ESV. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying they won't help, a, help another Christian out. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, shouldn't we up the bar? Shouldn't we raise the bar? Shouldn't we want to unite around one Bible that has it right? I don't want a Bible that attacks the virgin birth or the deity of Christ. Why was Christ born? Let's, let's end on some high notes. I think it's all high, but let's go to John. John chapter 4. Let's answer... Three questions. Why was Christ born? John 4, verse number 42. John 4, 42, And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard Him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. Why was Christ born? To be the Savior of the world. That is why He was born. He was not born to be a cute little snuggle bunny in a manger with a, with a donkey and a little calf and some lambs running around. He's going to be slain. He was born to die. He was born of a virgin because He's God Almighty. Don't take away my virgin-born Savior. Don't take away 
the deity of my virgin-born Savior. That's why He came. New American Standard Bible completely removes the reference to Christ as Savior in that verse. Who was the Savior? 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Second question. First Timothy three, verse number sixteen. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Who was this Savior? It was God manifest in the flesh. Virgin born. Deity of Christ. Powerful verse. You know what the modern versions do? Just about every single one of them. They remove the reference to God. And you know what they replace it with? He. Well, who's He? Like all these modern pop song outfits. He's so great. He loves you. He Who's He? Tell me who He is. They don't want to mention God. It won't be good for the record label. They don't want to mention Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be good for the tour. Because people would rather just have a spiritual experience and people would rather just know that there's a higher power than us. And they'll try to encompass everybody by being, instead of being very specific, you know, kind of like the Holy Spirit is. And they remove God. So your doctrinal statement has a virgin birth, your doctrinal statement has the deity of Christ, but the Bible that you use and encourage other people to use is anything but that old King James. Why? Why is it? It's easier to read? I don't think so. That's not the lesson this morning. We'll get into that later. But, look, these young preachers can figure out everything. They can figure out how to wire a whole set of sound and a whole... They can figure out how to build a multi-million dollar facility. I'm not talking one or two million. I'm talking about four or five million. You can figure all of that out and you're going to look at me in a straight face and say, I just can't figure out these and thous. You can? Well, then get out of the ministry, get a job at Chick-fil-A, get off on Sunday and come to church. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But that's where we're at. I remember preaching a message. I did, did some pulpit supply at a church and, and uh, it was a Sunday night. Visitors came from an hour and a half out of town to visit someone they knew that went there. and I didn't think it was one of my better messages at all. Matter of fact, after I was done it, I'm like, I don't even think the people understood what I said. 
It was on 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And the lady comes up to me afterwards and says, that was a great message. You know, I grew up in a cult that didn't believe that Jesus was God. They didn't believe in the Trinity. And what you just preached was a real blessing to me. And I thought, well, I'm thinking, I'm glad it was to you because I didn't think it went over well. Now, I didn't tell her that, but we never know who's listening. We never know what they are thinking. That is why is it is so, so vitally important that we stick with God's Word. Look, if I stick with God's Word, I won't go wrong. Brother Nathan teaches a Sunday school lesson and he sticks with God's Word, we won't go wrong. Brother Kelly teaches a Sunday school lesson and he sticks with God's Word, he won't go wrong. Brother Tom preaches from the Bible and he sticks with God's Word, we can't go wrong. Well, my opinion is, I think a better translation would be, well, who are you? That's when we get ourselves in trouble. Now, you might hear me say from time to time, hey, here's my opinion. I think this is interesting. Have you ever thought about this verse like that? But that's about as far as I can go with it. Because if it's not in God's Word, then it's just my opinion. <laughs> right? Okay. Last question. Let's answer. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 and answer what is the warning? It's a strong warning. Very, very strong that God says in 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 3. I'm going to read the verse. You read along, please. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 3. The Bible says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is it in the world. First thing, modern versions completely take out in the flesh. Where's my virgin-born Savior? Where's your virgin-born Savior? You can hardly find Him in a modern version. You can't. It's sleight of hand. It's sleight of words. It's deceive the people. Or maybe they're just deceived themselves and they're just going along just like they've always gone along. In the flesh, completely removed. Now look how strong, strong God warns. Look at it again. Someone confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You take out in the flesh, you're not a God. You take away my virgin-born Savior, it's not of God. I'm not saying you're the devil. I'm saying you've got the spirit of Antichrist. I'm not saying that you're purposefully trying to do it, although some may be. I'm saying you're just dead wrong. You're wrong. 
The Bible's right. We stick with the Bible. We don't read it and say, well, I think. I don't care what you think. You shouldn't care what I think. Everybody's accountable to God's Word. Every Word of God. That's how we live. That's how we grow. That's how we strive. The church is small. Do we have God's Word? Why are we down in the dumps? We shouldn't be. Somebody left because of whatever. I, I don't like it. You don't like it. Do we have God's Word? Let's stick with it. Let's preach it. Let's believe it. And let's live by it. That's all we can do. And I'm going to heed God's warning. I'm not taken out in the flesh. I'm not going to have a spirit of Antichrist. I don't want you to either. Two more verses. We answered three questions. Two more verses and we're done. John 1 and Isaiah 9. I mean, the whole first 14 verses are just powerful. It's just great. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness to the light that all men should that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And, this is it, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Don't forget that. The Word was made flesh. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, and truth. My wife's not gracious. My husband's not gracious. My co-workers lie. My boss lies. My neighbor lies. Well, good. Get used to it. <laughs> God doesn't. He's full of grace and truth. And He was made flesh for us. Last verse, Isaiah 9. Then I am done. Isaiah chapter 9, you should already have that, I think. Isaiah 9, verse number 6. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is who we serve. That's who we serve. That's our mighty God. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Real exciting to be able to go through it. Look at these things. I hope that it edified all of us here today. Help us to chew on these things this week as we live our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen.
Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.